Okay, so this morning, we're going to do like a double lecture. You will not be breaking into small groups, so that's why they've given me the task of doing an overview and an introduction. It's 9.56, and we'll dismiss at 11, just so everybody knows. Um, I always did tell my students at Wheaton College, um, I am watching the clock, and so you don't need to start like slamming your books at like five till or anything, okay? Uh, I will get us out by 11 o'clock. All right. Hopefully you all have a handout in front of you. And I want you to just, on the top, there's just several blank lines. And what I want you to do there is answer one of these questions. You can pick which one. What are you worried about right now in your life? Okay, if you want to be spiritual about it, you can say, what are you praying about right now in your life? Maybe it's not a what, maybe it's a who. Maybe you're praying for someone in your life. What are you um, afraid of? What are you most fearful of or afraid will happen if? Okay, and some of you are going, my neighbor might see my paper. Put it in code, I don't care. Um, do some initials, it doesn't matter. You're not turning these in, by the way. Okay, so these are for you. So take just a minute and write something down there. When you're finished, just look up so I can tell because I don't want to rush you. I want you to have time. Okay, some of you are praying about a lot of things. That's good. People of prayer, that's good. Um, some of you are going, gosh, I had left that all behind. It was coming to Bible study. Now I'm worried about everything. Okay, now you're going to have to set that all aside again. Okay, just set it aside. We'll come back to your top lineup later. All right, is there anyone in here who has never heard of the story of Joseph? I do not want you to be embarrassed or ashamed to raise your hand. I am going to give you extra points, okay? So it will increase your chances of winning. Trust me. So is there anyone in here who has never heard of the story of Joseph? Okay. All right. So you just messed up if you lied to me because you could have had extra points and could have caused your team to win. Okay. Remember, always tell the truth. Okay. So... Now, the next question. When I say Joseph, what is the thing that comes to most of your minds? What comes to your mind? Just say it out. The coat of many colors, right? Yes. So, is it showing up there? Perfect. Um, the coat of many colors. Now, notice what, our, notice what our book is called. Joseph, beyond the coat of many colors. So, there is more to Joseph's story than just that he had the coat that we all have heard about, okay? All right, so what I want us to do with this first part, which is called the overview, is I want you to get a partner. Do this in twos, and the partner just means the person that's next to you, okay? It doesn't mean go find wherever she is in the room, okay? You need twos. So some of you are two, two, two. Okay, so Lori, you're at an off table. You can come up and be a partner with one of those ladies. Okay, you need two. If you're in a group of three because you can't count or whatever is your issue, you are ineligible to win, okay? So you have to be in twos. One other thing, you cannot use anything but the, the, the brain God gave you. No electronics, no Bible, no study guide. That's why I'm letting you be in two. Two heads are better than one, okay? Two Here is a sweet lady trying to do the rules. She's probably going to win. So who does not have a partner? Look right here. Okay, you two girls are sitting next to one another. Is there somebody else who does not have a partner? You know what? Then you can pick any group in the room you want to be with because you were so honest and you will not be penalized, okay? Right there, right there. All right, all's good. Now the, other, the only other thing I need to tell you before we start this is if university students can do this, and my classes were always back and forth, and that's how we will be. 
but you have got to come back to me. When you hear my voice, you stop talking. Deal? Because otherwise, this part will take till 11, and then you're going to stay till 11.30 while I finish my favorite part of the lecture. Okay? So when you hear my voice, stop talking and come back to me. Okay? All right. I also did not put the questions on there because I'm timing the questions so that you don't get hung up on one. This is not a deal where you can make up the answer, okay? You either know it or you do not. So do not ask me for more time, okay? This is how our brains work. You're not going to sit there for 40 minutes on a question and think of it, okay? All right. Okay. This is also fun, believe it or not, and there will be a prize. Now, the prize... You know, Joseph went to a foreign land. The prize is not from Egypt, but it is from a foreign land. You cannot get it here in America, I promise. Okay? You want the prize. All right. Okay. So here we go. All right. This first question. Also, listen, because sometimes I'll tell you, write this one down or anybody can answer. Okay? If, yep. if anybody can answer, then it's not one you're writing down. Okay? We're going to do some out loud. If it's something that you're writing down, newsflash, it's a contest, people. And I am not one where everybody's going to get one of these prizes. Everybody takes a trophy home. There will be winners and there will be losers, okay? So don't shout out your answer when you know it and it's one. Just talk to your partner, okay? Y'all write it down. Now, you decide who is the official recorder because you're not going to go, I think it's this, I think it's this. Let's both write it down. Then when she tells the answer, we'll take the one they got it right. Oh, no. It does not work that way. So decide who is the official writer. All right, here we go. Now the first question is for anybody. Answer up here, not on your paper. Can anybody tell me where is the story of Joseph found? The Bible doesn't work. Go deeper. Genesis. Genesis that's good. Anybody know where in Genesis? Thirty Pretty good. Yeah, it's at the end, the very end of Genesis. It actually, starts about thirty-seven. It's actually also found in the Quran, by the way, but we're not studying that book here. So we'll be sticking with the Genesis part. Okay, here are the first set of questions. I'm going to give them to you in five, and then we'll go back and I'll give you the answers, okay? So here we go. Our first question is, who were Joseph's great-grandparents? On number one, give me a male and a female name. Quietly, this is for the prize. Oh, I love all the whispers. Okay, number two. Who were Joseph's grandparents? Number three. Who were Joseph's parents? Number four, how many siblings did Joseph have and where did he fall in the birth order? So that's why the, the line is like it should be on your paper. Number four, how many siblings and where did he fall? And the last question in this series, who were Joseph's sons? Two of them I'm looking for there. Okay, now, question three, all those questions one through three, by the way, we're going to study that here in this first couple of weeks. We're going to be looking at Joseph's ancestors a lot more closely, all right? Um, and then the next question, the brothers, we'll look at that in lesson two, which is actually on week four, taking sibling rivalry to new heights, okay? Well, while we're on relatives, not for your paper, for up here, can anybody tell me who was Joseph's wife? Do you know her? Do you know anything about her? Well, she was a gift to him from Potiphar. Her name was Asenath. 
And I don't know if I said that right, but she's not here, so we don't care. <laughs> I do call them like I see them, so if I pronounce something incorrectly, feel free to correct me in front of the group if that makes you feel good, or you could tell me later because I would like to learn, but I do just call things like I see them. I don't get hung up on a name, okay? So some of y'all are going to call me Rahonda, and that's okay. <laughs> All right, so her story is actually in Genesis 41, 45 through 50, and why I bring her up is she, she was interesting to me as I thought about her because she is actually the daughter of Potipharah, who is the priest of Heliophis something. Now, she was not a God-fearing woman. And here she is given to Joseph as a wife. And I just wondered what kind of impact did he have on her life? And did she become a Christ follower? We don't know. A believer in God, a looker forward to Jesus. All right, so let's do um, some answers now. You ready? Grade your own papers. Here we go. All right, you can read it. I kind of wondered how that would blow up up there. So the great-grandparents, Abraham and Sarah. By the way, this is all or nothing. Don't ask me, can I get half credit? Whatever. You either got one right or you got one wrong. You need both those names. That's a one. Okay? All right, number two, Isaac and Rebecca are his grandparents. Number three, Jacob and Rachel are his parents. Now, for siblings, this is tricky, and I don't mean it to be. It's just factual. He had 12 siblings that we know of, 11 brothers and one sister, okay? He was the 11th son, the next to the youngest, if you say that, Benjamin came after him, or he was the 12th child. Any, if you said 11th son, 12th child, or next to the youngest, any of that works. Sons of Joseph were Manasseh and Ephraim. Okay, so Joseph had all these brothers and one sister. And Joseph was his father's favorite, as you can see by, there's the coat, right? Well, this caused some problems among the siblings, as you can well imagine. The plot gets pretty dark, so we're going to go on to lesson three now in our book. This is week five. We're halfway through the study already, and you're over you. Wow, you guys are so smart. All right, When Life is the Pits is the name of the next lesson we're doing. So we're gonna, I'm going to ask you some questions regarding the brothers and the plot, okay? So question six. Whose idea, you're going to give me, the, you've got three spaces here on your answers, okay? Whose idea was it to kill Joseph? Whose idea was it to throw Joseph into a pit? And whose idea was it to sell Joseph? Go. I'm counting up here a number of seconds to give you to each one. And if I started doing this, I'd get more steps on my Fitbit. So I'm going to count the rest like this. Okay. All right. Um, the next one. To whom did the brothers sell Joseph? To whom did the brothers sell Joseph? Step one, step two. This is great. It really works this way. So if you eat cookies, you get steps on your Fitbit. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> Yeah, just like this. See? They went up. <laughs> okay. All right. Here are the answers to those questions. Whose idea was it to kill Joseph? The Bible actually doesn't name one brother there. It says they. Whose idea was it to throw Joseph into a pit? Reuben's. Reuben is the one who said... Uh, no, let's not kill him. Let's throw him into, a, into the pit. And his actual plan was to then go back and rescue him and take him back to his father. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what was he going to tell all the other brothers. I don't know. But according to Scripture, that's what Reuben's plan was. All right, the third one there was whose idea was it to sell Joseph? Judah. It was Judah's idea when he saw the caravan, like, hey, why don't, why don't we make some money off of this deal? Let's sell him. Okay. To whom did the brothers sell Joseph? They sold him to Ishmaelite traders for 20 pieces of silver. Who eventually brought Joseph? Potiphar. That's not on your sheet. I didn't ask you that one. But it was Potiphar, the captain of the palace guard. He was an officer of Pharaoh who was the king of Egypt. All right. 
anyone, um, does anybody know, don't, this is, you can shout it out to me, not on your paper. Anybody know how old Joseph was when this, when this part of the story was happening? Anybody know? 17. Anybody here, y'all are going, I wanted that as a question, sorry. Um, anybody here have a son that's 17, a nephew, a grandson? Imagine, okay, the boy is 17 years old. When, this is real, this is for real, and I think sometimes we just read the story and na 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 na. 17 years old, okay. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Joseph is now in Egypt. He excels at everything he does. Scripture makes it clear because God is with him. He honorably faces temptation and is falsely accused. He's thrown into prison. He rises to leadership in prison because God is with him. He interprets two fellow prisoners' dreams. And now we're moving on through the lessons in Genesis and in our workbook, our study guide. Anyone can answer this question out loud. Not on your paper. What were the two jobs of the fellow prisoners for whom Joseph interpreted their dreams? Do you remember? Cupbearer cup and the baker. So the cupbearer and the baker. Oh, there's how much they sold him for. Cool picture. All right. The cupbearer and the baker. Joseph interprets their fellow prisoners down there with him. Joseph interprets their dreams correctly. One of them lives. One of them dies. But the cupbearer, the one who lives forgets, he like has amnesia and forgets about Joseph. Even though Joseph specifically asked him, when you get out of here, would you tell him about me? In hopes that Joseph will get out of jail too. All right, here's question eight on your handout. How many years did Joseph sit in prison after he interpreted the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker? Go. I'm using my left hand, I'm for real on that. Okay, the answer, two years. Now think about that, ladies, again, don't, don't just two years. Shoot, I missed her. Woohoo, I got it. Two years. That means every day he woke up thinking maybe this is the day he'll remember me. Nope, goes to bed that night. Not today, maybe tomorrow. Wakes up the next day, maybe today. Nope, goes to bed, maybe tomorrow. For 730 days, Joseph waited in prison. Okay, all right, let's keep going. Then Pharaoh has two dreams. Well, this must jog the, the guy's, you know, amnesia guy's memory. Because nobody can interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And, of course, Pharaoh wants his dreams Explain to him. They're very disturbing to him. He dreams about cows and grain, and the cupbearer remembers Joseph. So he says, oh, there's this guy in prison. And so Pharaoh calls for Joseph, and Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams, giving all the credit to God, by the way. You'll see all these details as we read through the story again, if you've forgotten them over the years. Well, Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge um, to prepare for the 14 years that are coming up, which is what his dreams represented. Seven years of good years and seven years of famine. Okay? Anyone know how old Joseph was when he took charge of the entire land of Egypt? So at this point in the story, how old is Joseph? Anybody know? You can say it up here. It's not a... What? Nineteen. Nineteen? No. Older? We can play crisis right. Higher, higher. Thirty years old. But thank you for playing, whoever said nineteen. Thirty years old. So this is, a, remember how old was he when, the, when it started in Egypt? 17. So this is all the years that have passed. He is now 30 years old when he's put in charge of everything. All right, here's the next set of questions, 9 through 13. You ready? Oh, well, I should tell you, we'll keep going with the story. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, right? It, famine has hit now. Okay, so we're, we're seven years into the dream. And Joseph's family is also affected by the famine. Okay? So here we go. Question number nine. Who from Joseph's family first came to Egypt to buy grain? Okay, now Joseph's response to his brothers on this first trip, he did recognize them. But he didn't tell him 
he didn't reveal himself to them. And he accused them actually of being spies and he threw them into prison. He kept them in prison for three days. And then all the brothers took that as a consequence of uh, what had happened. And Reuben was sure to jump in with, I told you so. When Joseph lets them out of prison, he tells them they can all go home except for one. Question 10. Which brother stayed back while the others went home? Okay, Joseph is told them which brother was staying, and the brother Joseph chose was Simeon. And Joseph had Simeon tied up right in front of all the brothers. I mean, he, he, he was pretty dramatic about it. So all the brothers are watching, and Joseph has Simeon tied up and taken away from their presence. All right, um, and so the brothers now head home. Question 11. What was in the brothers' sacks when they left Egypt that first time? What was in their sacks when they left Egypt? I'll give you a hint on this one. The first one part is grain. They did get the grain. What else was in their sack? This is for question 11. All right. Question 11. The answer, grain and each brother's payment was on the top of his sack. So every, every one of their sacks had grain and their own money back in there. Okay? All right. So the brothers return to the, they don't go back to Egypt. They go on home to their father and they tell him that they need to go back to Egypt and they need to bring Benjamin in order to free Simeon. And Reuben makes this offer to rescue the brother left in jail. Listen to what he says. He's pretty serious. You may kill my two sons if I don't bring Benjamin back to you. Okay, he is laying it all on the line here. He says, I'll be responsible for him and I promise to bring him back. Well, Jacob's response was basically over my dead body. It's not gonna happen. So they've left Simeon in jail now. Do you see what the dad has done here? So it's like, nope, y'all aren't going back. Well, the famine continues, and guess what? They run out of food again. So Jacob does decide to send the boys back. On the road again, here is question 12. Which brother stepped up for the second trip to Egypt? Which brother really took the lead here for that second trip? I'm just getting so many steps today. This is awesome. <laughs> okay, the brother that stepped up was Judah. Judah says, send the quote, send the boy with me and we will be on our way. Otherwise, we will all die of starvation and not only we, but you and our little ones. I personally guarantee his safety. You may hold me responsible if I don't bring him back to you. Then let me bear the blame forever. Wow. Do you see some changes in the brothers? What's happening? Okay. All right. Well, the brothers arrive and Joseph invites them to dinner, actually. What did the brothers think was going to happen? They were scared spitless. They thought this was like a joke and they were terrified. What they said was, quote, he plans to pretend that we stole it. Talking about the money that was back in their bags. Then he will, he will seize us, make us slaves, and take our donkeys. So that's what the brothers think are happening with Joseph's let's have dinner together. Okay. Now, three tables are set for the feast. The reason why is because Joseph had one table to himself. And then the brothers sat at another table. And you know, the third tables were for the Egyptians because they despised the Hebrews so much they didn't want to sit with them. Remember that, okay? Some of these might seem like little facts, but they're all part of the big story. All right, so the brothers leave to go back to Jacob. Here's question 13. When the brothers left Egypt the second time, what was in their sacks this time? On your paper, don't say it out loud. Question 13. What was in their sacks this time? Okay. 
Okay, this time, grain, again, the money, again, and then Joseph's special drinking cup was put in the youngest son, Benjamin's, in his bag. Okay? Now, now the brothers, the, the, again, in the story, the, uh, the Egyptians coming confront the brothers this time. So it's a little different as they're going back. And they're so sure of themselves that nobody took the cup that they're like, you know, looking, looking all our bags. And, oh, lo and behold, it's in Benjamin's. So they, all the brothers now are coming back to Egypt to face the music. Okay? When the brothers returned, Judah was the spokesperson. He says, he proposes to Joseph to let Judah stay and let Benjamin go back with the other brothers. And this is what he says, quote, I couldn't bear to see the anguish this would cause my father. See a change? So at last, this was the straw that breaks the camel's back for Joseph, and he reveals himself and lets the brothers know it's me, Joseph. So he tells them to go back and bring their entire family, all of their children, their father, everyone back and let him take care of them because there are still more years of famine left to come. And I love this. His parting words, quote, don't quarrel on the way. <laughs> you think there might have still been some fighting between the brothers? I think so. And Joseph said, don't quarrel along the way, right? All right. I've got a bonus question if we have a tie. So we're going to move on. Question 14. So now they're all on their way back to Egypt. They come back. They told Jacob. But here they all go back. Who appeared to Jacob and when? This is important. Again, it looks like a small thing. On your paper, question 14. Who appeared to Jacob and when? Y'all are doing so well. Thank you for coming back to me. I knew you could do this. Okay, who appeared to Jacob? God himself, not an angel. God appeared to Jacob. And what's so beautiful about this to me is when did God appear? When they were already on their way. In other words, God didn't appear and say, Jacob, all this is true, everything you've heard is okay, and it's all right, go to Egypt, I'll be with you. No, they were on their way. As a matter of fact, Jacob had already made sacrifices at uh, Beersheba. And then God appears. What a beautiful picture. Genesis 46 is where this happens. So look at what the message was. Jacob, Jacob, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make your family into a great nation. I will go with you down to Egypt, and I will bring you back again. You will die in Egypt, but Joseph will be with you to close your eyes. So he wakes up and they continue on to Egypt. All right, questions 14 on, here's 15. Who did Jacob send ahead to meet Joseph and get directions? So they're getting closer and Jacob says, hey, why don't you go first? Okay, who was that? Write it on your paper, question 15. Judah. Jacob says, Judah, go, go ahead of all of us. We're getting closer now, okay? Well, Joseph and Jacob, um, when they do meet, they embrace for a really long time. Can you imagine that reunion? He thought his son was dead. So they embrace a really long time. Jacob was 130 years old when he came to Egypt. So when he finally sees his son again, he's 130 years old. Well, the famine continues throughout the land, and Joseph continues to be in charge for Pharaoh. Oh, well, i got to tell you this part, too, because this is really cool. When, when, uh, so Joseph takes his dad to meet Pharaoh, right, and introduces his dad to Pharaoh. And what does Jacob do? He blesses Pharaoh. And then Scripture says he blesses him again. You know, talk about an impact. Pharaoh is not a God follower, by the way. And so look at the impact. that. And we'll see that come back when Jacob dies, okay? All right, let's keep going. Question 18. What was the order? 16, I'm sorry. Y'all are going, wait! How many chance to answer 16, 17? Good, good paying attention, everyone. What was the order of payment in exchange for grain? So first it was money. There's the hint. First they paid with money. 
The money ran out. What did they use next, okay? Go ahead, write it on your paper. longer on this one. Okay, the order was money first, then when the money ran out, they paid with their livestock. So they paid with their, the scripture listed out for us, horses, sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. And then, it doesn't matter what order you put this in, because the Bible changes it in two different ones, so then they also, when all the livestock belonged to Pharaoh, then they sold their, themselves and their land. So Pharaoh, do you see what's happened? Pharaoh has, is now, he owns everything. There's no more money. All of the livestock belong to Pharaoh. All of the people are now his slaves. And he also owns all of their land. Okay? All right, question 17. What did Joseph do for the new slaves of Pharaoh? Everybody is now a slave. What did Joseph do? This is an insight into his character. All right, answer on your paper. I love this. What Joseph did was he provided them seed to plant the land for themselves. And then he said, just give Pharaoh one-fifth and you can keep four-fifths of it. To, what do you see there in Joseph's character? Do you see his kindness? And beyond fairness, you see him exhibiting grace, right? All right, so Joseph, Jacob lived in Egypt for 17 years until he was 147 years old. And Joseph promises Jacob, it was near his deathbed dying days, that Jacob didn't want to be buried there. And he made Joseph promise, take me, my bones back, um, to be buried back at home. And Joseph makes this promise and he does do that. So as Jacob is on his deathbed during the blessing, he surprises everyone by crossing his arms over Joseph's sons. Does that sound familiar to any of the other Bible stories, his ancestors that you might remember? Well, when Jacob dies, notice who mourns his death. Of course, Joseph and the boys, right? And all the brothers, and I'm sure Dinah too. But who else mourns the death? And who observes the memorial service? The Egyptians also mourn. Remember those Egyptians that hated the Hebrews so much they set a third table? Jacob now dies, and Scripture says that the Egyptians mourned. And then who watched the, the memorial service were the Canaanites. Now that's going to come back. And the Canaanites are sitting there watching the Egyptians and the Israelites mourn Jacob's death. And what do they say? This is a quote. This is a place of deep mourning for these Egyptians. They linked Jacob's death to the mourning of the Egyptians. Not even That's how much the Egyptians were mourning. Is God doing something in this story that maybe we've missed before just looking at his coat of many colors? God is so at work here. All right, we'll keep going. Impact on their community and in their neighborhood, I would say they had that, right? Okay, after Jacob dies, well, now the brothers are really worried. Okay, dad's gone. It's going to go south really fast here, okay? Joseph is now going to be treating us pretty badly, and they're scared. So what happens between the brothers and um, Jacob and, and, the, and Joseph he extends grace to them, and he tells them there's no reason to be afraid, and I will continue to take care of you. And he attributes God's sovereignty in Joseph's life, not his brother's actions. And we'll look at that scripture closer up in a moment. So Joseph lives to be 110 years old. That's your big overview. A couple of last questions. 18, who are the 12 tribes of Israel? You do not need to list their names. Just tell me who are they. Now let's make this a full circle here. Who are the 12 tribes of Israel? Write it down. Question 18. The 12 tribes of Israel 
were Jacob's, Jacob's 12 sons. Now, it might get a little confusing because if you look further and when they finally do get to the promised land and they divide the land, they're not divided up by these 12. The two that are changed are Levi. His tribe doesn't get any land because they were the priests and the priests were not given land. And Joseph's tribe doesn't get any land because Jacob adopts Joseph's two boys that were born in Egypt as his own. So Joseph actually gets a double portion because his two boys get land. So that's how the land is different than the tribes. But the actual 12 tribes of Israel are Jacob's sons. Okay? All right. Well, and the brothers, they certainly have some notable descendants, okay? The notable descendants of Levi... Aaron, Moses, Eli, and even in the New Testament, John the Baptist all come from Levi. Who are the notable descendants of Judah? Don't tell me. Write it on 19. Who are the notable descendants of Judah? The most notable descendants of Judah are David and Jesus. Now think about that. I've on purpose made his name appear kind of throughout as we've been doing. And when you start reading the story, it's going to start off about Joseph. And then Judah gets a whole chapter. And it's not a pretty picture, what Judah does. And then we go back to the story of Joseph. And you might be thinking, why in the world is that inserted right here? Would you have picked Judah to bring Jesus through? You know, I probably would have picked the star of the show, Joseph. I said, yeah, let's have Jesus come right through Joseph. God didn't do that, did he? He chose Judah. So as you study here at the beginning of, the, of our, our lessons in our workbook, pay attention to that chapter that sneaks right in there in the middle of Joseph's story, and it's Judah. And you see God's grace all over the place. All right. Okay. A few others, just because I think it's really interesting. The notable descendants of Joseph, by the way, he did have some. Joshua, Gideon came from Joseph. Samuel came from Joseph. Benjamin, his younger brother, the other one that's from the favored wife, Rachel. His notable, notable descendants, Saul, Esther, and Paul, all came from Benjamin. All right, last question. What is the name of the lady with whom you have been taking this quiz? Okay. If you hadn't met her already, please, dear Lord Jesus, let these women make one connection today. Okay? All right. All right. Uh, we're going to grade them later. On the bottom, I mean, you know, you can tell me all your... In a minute. On the bottom there is the question, why am I studying Joseph? This one's multiple choice. A, because we didn't do so well on the pretest. B, to score 100 on the post-test. C, to win any future trivia game on Joseph. D, in hopes of getting on Jeopardy and getting Joseph as a category. E, all of the above. D, F, excuse me, none of the above. It would be as none of the above. This is not why we're studying Joseph. And by the way, Chris is so much sweeter than me. There will not be a post-test, and she is the last lecturer. So yeah, I know. Woohoo! No, this is not why we study Joseph. And it's not meant to be a trick question, which is why I didn't give you a blank. The answer to why am I studying Joseph is because it's in the Bible, which is God's holy word. Ask another question. I, I, I think in questions, which is what I write for Tyndale. I think in questions. I write in questions. I teach in questions. So you should always be asking questions. So why do I study Joseph? Because it's in the Bible. Why is it in the Bible? Why am I studying the Bible? I'm studying it to know the author. That's why I'm studying the Bible, to know the author. What do I learn about God? What's his character like? How does he behave? I want to know his ways, but I don't just want information. I want transformation. I want to be changed by it. I don't just want to be amassing knowledge so that I know more than somebody else. What good is this? This is no good. No good. 
All right, so from a practical application standpoint, then that always moves me to so what, now what? Several years ago, I don't know, more than a decade ago, um, I taught a through the Bible thing. And there were so many different questions that, and they're all really good, different systems of questions to ask yourself as you're studying scripture. And I'm not gonna lie, it was a little overwhelming to me. So that's why I just came up with so what, now what? Why is this in here? You know, the book is only this big. I taught in textbooks bigger than that for just a semester, and this is what we've got for life. So that means everything in there is purposeful. So what, now what? How does God want to change me into the likeness of his son because this story is in Scripture? So we look not just at Joseph. We do look at the patriarchs, the people that came before, the first lines on your blank, the first lessons that you'll study. You know, just a few life principles from their life. Sin affects more than just me. Don't lie. Favoritism is hurtful, always. God doesn't ever need me to sin to help him. You'll see some of that in the patriarchs, right? Waiting on God's timing. Obey God and leave the consequences to him. That's a Charles Stanley life principle, and I just love that. I'm not in charge of the consequences. I'm just in charge of my own obedience. And I'm not in charge of yours, and you're not in charge of mine. All right. Um, we can take it the other direction, too. We can say, well, what, do I, what, what life principles do I learn from the descendants? Joshua, Gideon, and Samuel. I gave you just those three from Joseph himself. Joshua, wow, he was so faithful to ask God's direction in the challenges that he faced on a continual basis. Just one lesson. Gideon. Wow, God knows what he's designed for me. He's purposeful in the way he's made me. And he calls me by my new name. And he expands and uses the abilities that he's already built into us. So many lessons from a descendant of Joseph. What about Samuel? Wow, the last and the most effective of Israel's judges. 1 Samuel 9 says, As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him. Does that sound familiar? And everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. Wow, a man of integrity with his word. So I want in our last 20 minutes to look at, so Joseph specifically, we're done with the overview, now this is the introduction, okay? Why do we study Joseph? Because his story is in the Bible, God's holy word. Why do I study the Bible? To know the author. What does Joseph's story tell me about the author of the story, God? And I'm just going to give you three here. There's so much more. But God is with me. God is with us and he will never leave us, no matter what our circumstances are. Let's look at some scripture. And by the way, I will put the scripture on your handout, but we always won't go over every scripture. And today, we, I think we almost do go over. But in the future... I'll give you more scripture than what we're going to do up here. And just a hint on note-taking, if you just put a check mark by the ones I go over with you, if you want to go back and look at the others, you'll know where to start. Okay? All right, Genesis 39, 2 and 3, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. 39, 21, the Lord was with Joseph. 39, 23, the Lord was with him. Now, this isn't true just for Joseph. Okay? This is a principle for us. We see it in the New Testament. From Jesus' own lips, he promises us. Look at John 14. And I, that's Jesus talking, will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. For all of Jesus Christ's followers... He will never leave you. So God is with me. What else do I learn? God is not just with me. God is working. God is working. Let's look at Genesis 45. This is the scripture that after, after the brothers are like, oh boy, we're in big trouble. Dad's dead. Now what's going to happen? This is Joseph's answer to them. It was God who sent me. God has sent me. So it was God who sent me. And he is the one. God is working. Now look at John 5, 17. Again, New Testament. We don't just want to think these are Old Testament stories. These are life principles. We can, we can draw from studying Joseph. Again, this is Jesus talking. My father is always working and so am I. So it is still the truth today. God is with me and God is working. The third one. 
God is trustworthy. He's not just working. He's working for good. You know the song we just sang? He's a good, good father. Look at Genesis 50. Genesis 50 says, You intended to harm me, Joseph speaking, but God intended it all for good. And then again in the New Testament, Romans 8, 28. This is how God works. For the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So, so what? Now what? What am I to do with these principles, these, these lessons of what I have learned of who God is? Remember, I'm not just looking for information. I really do want to be changed. I want to be more like him. I want to please him. I want to obey him. I want to be changed by him. So what now what? Here's just three. Again, we can make more, but I'm a Baptist, so three points, that's what it is. It's not an if-then statement. So it's not the three things that I know. Then, if this is true, then I'll understand. It's actually an and statement. So listen to what I mean by that. God is good. God is always working. God is trustworthy. And newsflash, it is not an if. If God is good, always working, and trustworthy, then I will understand what he is doing. No. It's not a then. It's God is good, always working, and trustworthy, and I won't always understand what he is doing. Why? Ask yourself why. You should be asking why. Don't let me just say things. Why won't I always understand what God is doing? Scripture tells us. Look at Proverbs 20, 24. The Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? It was so fun. I, I always try to get my book ahead of time and do the study before I meet with you. And so I'm finished with the book. It's a wonderful study. You're going to love it. And while I was doing the lessons, I was reading in my own reading and came across this verse, Proverbs 20, 24. And it's like, well, that's the whole story of Joseph right there. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'll stick that in the introductory overview lesson because there it is. Look at Isaiah. This is God talking. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And this, by the way, is repeated in the New Testament in Romans 11. The same thought. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? That one I don't think I put in your handout, but that is from the New Testament, Romans 11, 33 and 34. So the first, so what, now what? I won't always understand what he's doing. The second one, well, what do I do when I don't understand? When I don't understand, I am to lean into the truth of who he is. And how do I know who he is? Oh my goodness, we're like back in a circle by studying his word. That's one sure way of knowing who he is. Because it's God's word that we're studying. Again, why are we studying? To know the author. To be changed. So, who is God? Let's just take a, a couple of looks here. You know, if you want to know who someone is, it's really good to see what they say about themselves, especially when it's God and he doesn't lie. So let's look at Exodus. This is God's description of himself. Okay, Exodus 34. He's passing in front of Moses, by the way. He says, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. When I don't understand what God is doing or why God is doing something or how he is doing something, this is what I know to be true of God. He is compassionate. He is merciful. He is slow to anger. He is filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. He forgives everything. He forgives iniquity, rebellion, sin. Now, again, I want us to always try and look at the New Testament, too. In the New Testament, let's look at what Jesus, the Son of God, part of the Trinity, says, who is God. He says in John 14, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So pay attention to Jesus. 
When I don't understand, lean into the truth of who I know God is. If you're struggling there, look at Jesus. What was he like? This is what God is like. So loving, so compassionate, so attentive to the individual. You see this in Jesus' life. Look at the Gospels. Pick one, read it when you're struggling with what is God doing or why or how. All right, and to add to this short, absolutely incomplete description of who God is, what you and I will learn about God as we study Joseph beyond the coat of many colors, we'll add that to our lean-in truths about who God is. So, so what, now what? One so what, now what? Lesson that Joseph's life, he lives out for me that flows from the third truth that we know about God. Do you remember that one? It's right there. God is trustworthy. If God is trustworthy, so what, now what to me? Then I can trust him. I can trust God. Joseph didn't know the rest of his story. You know, again, we have the whole story. Some of us seen the musical, whatever. <laughs> Joseph didn't have that. He had one day at a time. Remember how long was he in prison sitting there waiting? Two years. Joseph did not have the whole story. Yet he knew God, which led to his trusting God, which resulted in his obedience to God, even when he was thrown in a well, even when he was in a trade caravan marching across the desert, even as a slave, even in prison, even in a counter culture, even as the minority, even in a new place, a strange place, even you can fill in the blank, it doesn't matter. Because God is trustworthy, so I can trust God. So I want you to think back what was on your first blank. If you don't remember, it's too long ago, turn over and look what you wrote on your first blank. Whatever you answer, you can bring it forward. So I had to put several options here because some of you might have talked about a person that you're praying for or worrying about. Some of you might have talked to an event. Some of you might have gone into the future. Some of you, I, can't trust, I can trust him no matter if. You know, that's something that you're thinking might happen that's causing you some fear. Some of you, I can trust him even when. You know it's going to happen. You're right in the middle of it. It's a scare you're living through. So I don't know how to write that. I don't know how to write that for you because I don't know what you put on your first answer. But you can bring it forward because he is trustworthy. So I can trust God. You 